Psalm chapter 10. Psalm 10. I hope you are there in your Bible. In August of 2007, in August of 2007, I walked into my house and my father told me that he was leaving. And uh, that was the moment, the last moment that my dad and I lived in the same house. And then shortly thereafter, my parents divorced. Uh, It was a mess of a marriage uh, for a long, long time. I could tell you the story if you really want to sit down and hash out the details. Uh, But it just, it it finally busted and broke August 2007. Uh, And I remember going up into my room and saying this statement to God and no more. God, you don't have a clue what you're doing. I was mad. I was really mad. I was hurt. Because what it felt like in that moment is that God didn't care. That God was not near to me. Uh, And as a result of that, because I operated about under how I felt about the scenario, I believed these lies about God. That God did not care. That God didn't see. That God couldn't fix. That God wouldn't heal. That God was just far away and unconcerned. And so I operated under those lies. And, and as a result, that, that cost me significantly. I remember being really angry. And that anger not just being inside of me, but it overflowing out of me towards my mom and my sister as if they were the ones at fault. Because I was operating under this lie that, that, that God just, just bailed on me. And I was, I was bitter. And I was mad. And, and if my dad's the one that rolled out and he's a father, maybe God, you as a father, are absent too. And I just operated under these lies. Because what it felt like was that God was far off. What it felt like was that God didn't care. That's what it felt like. And because I, I had these questions, God, do you care? God, are you near? God, are you going to do something? And I answered them poorly. I operated under a lie and that cost me for years. And the truth of it is many of you are in a scenario a lot like that. Maybe it's not your parents' divorce. Maybe it is. But a fair amount of you are probably asking questions like that to God. God, this has happened and I just really want to know if you care. I want to know if you see this. I want to know if you're near. Because what it feels like, God, is that you're not. And if we're not careful, we'll ask those questions and either not answer them or answer them wrongly and live under a lie. And friends, that will cost you. It will cost you. So we need to figure out the answers to those questions from what the Bible says. And so hopefully that will help us In Psalm chapter 10, we'll read the whole thing together. Psalm 10, 1 through 18. Follow along with me in the scripture. This is what the word of God says. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. 
His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. His hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor that he draws when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God is forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, You will not call to account. But you do see. For you know mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself, and have been the helper, and you have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is on the earth may strike terror no more. Here's the question that we're going to answer in week two of this series. Is God far off? See, we've been in this series now. This is the second week called Is God? And what we're doing is asking some questions that people have about God, and when they do not answer them or they answer them wrongly, they take misunderstandings about God and live underneath those. And living underneath the misunderstanding of who God is will cost you significantly in your life. And so last week we looked at, is God all about rules? And answering that from the scriptures. And tonight we'll look at this question, is God far off? We see that question in verse 1. Look back at verse 1 in Psalm chapter 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? This is the picture. This is the picture that the psalmist is asking. Why are you way over there with your face over your, with your hands over your face, not even seeing what's happening? God, why are you so far away, and why does it seem like you're not even looking? And the question behind the question really is this. God, do you care? Do you care? Well, why would he ask that question? What's the cause of the question? Suffering is the cause of the question. Suffering specifically at the hands of other people. Look back at verse 2. In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. So he describes what's going on. This is the suffering. There are wicked people who are arrogant, and they hotly pursue the poor. What do they do? They oppress us. They are against us. They make our life hard. And they do it in arrogance. And he describes it. Keep going in verse 2. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. The one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. So not only, not only do they do wicked things against us, they do it in arrogance, and then they look at you, God, and say, what are you going to do about it? Because if you were going to do anything about it, you would have stopped it by now. So we'll just keep doing it. You're not going to stop us. Verse 4. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no 
God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved throughout all generations. I shall not meet his adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. And over and over again, this wicked person who's oppressing these people, not only, not only does it, he does it in arrogance, and he does it thinking and saying, God's not going to stop me. What is God going to do? Verse 8. He sits in ambush in the villages, in hiding places. He murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. And so this is the scenario that the psalmist is in. There are wicked people oppressing them, and they're doing it in an arrogant way. They're not just oppressing, but they're prospering in their oppression. So they're acting wickedly towards these people that the psalmist is a part of, and they're prospering. It's moving forward. It's not being stopped. And they're doing it saying, God's not going to do anything about it. And the writer of this psalm is experiencing all of this and pins the psalm with the question, God, why does it seem like you are far away? Why does it seem like you're doing this? Why? Why, God, is this what's happening? God, do you see this? God, do you care? Because this is bad. Look at what's going on, God. Like, like they're oppressing us and they're doing it in arrogance. God, I have to listen to this person over and over again. Curse my God while he hurts my people. Don't you see? Where are you? Don't you care? And if we're honest, you have been or you are in a place like that. It might not be that you're being oppressed by wicked people, but you've been in a scenario suffering at the hand of someone else and you're asking the question, God, do you care? Do you see? Where are you? Maybe it is the divorce of your parents. Your, your family erupted with the divorce of your parents. And you're thinking, God, where are you? Do you care? The divorce was ugly, God. It hurt me a lot. And now I have to bounce between houses. This is frustrating. I don't know. My parents try to like buy my love and I have to pick sides. And this is just not where I should be as a teenager. God, do you see? Or maybe it's not that parents are actually absent. Maybe that parents are just emotionally absent. They have disconnected from you. They have launched off into some other kind of desire and you feel left behind. And you think, God, do you see? Do you care? 
Or maybe it's not that. Maybe, maybe you have been abused physically, sexually, emotionally. And you think, God, do you see? Do you care? Because this is awful. Maybe you're being bullied at school and no one seems to notice. It just keeps happening. You're the butt of the joke all the time. If somebody's being picked on, it's you. And you think, God, do you see this? Do you care? Or maybe you're the person that's doing everything that you can to live faithfully to God where you are. But people that aren't are the ones that have a better life. And you're watching other people who don't live devoted to God flourish and be where you want to be, on the team that you want to be on, with the girl that you want, with the grades that you want, going to the college that you want. And you're thinking, God, God, do you see this? Do you care? And if that's where you stop, you'll live under a misunderstanding or a lie about who God is. If you just ask the question and don't go get an answer, or you ask the question and you grab onto an answer that's incorrect, you'll live under a misunderstanding, you'll live under a lie about who God is, and it will cost you significantly. It will cost you significantly. Because here's the truth. It's normal. It's so normal in times of suffering for you to have questions. It was normal for 18-year-old Cade to go lay on his bed when the, when the parents broke up and, and ask, God, do you, do you know what you're doing? But it went sideways when I resolved, no, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. See, we, we, we ought to ask these questions. They're fine questions to ask. But we ought to find answers to the questions that are outside of our feelings. I'm not negating your feelings. If you're in the middle of suffering at the hand of somebody else, you, whether it's divorce or abuse or bullying or whatever on the list, I, I don't know. What I'm not doing in this moment is minimizing the fact that it's real suffering and minimizing the fact that you really do feel the way you feel. I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is, we do not want to make big statements about who God is out of our feelings. We want to grab onto right statements about who God is based on what God says about himself in the Bible. Left to myself on my bed at 18 years old, I operated out of my feelings. Were those feelings legit? You bet. Were those feelings the right guide to my life at that moment? They were not. They were not. And so my encouragement to you in your suffering with your legitimate feelings is to go to a source outside of your feelings to get the truth. And so that's what we're going to do in answering this question. In answering this question, how do we know that God cares? Is God far off? How do we answer the question? Look at verse 14. How does the psalmist answer the question? But you do see. For you know mischief and vexation. That's like grief and frustration that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. 
You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is on the earth may strike terror no more. How do we, and for that matter, how does the psalmist answer this question? Does God care? Is God far off? In the midst of suffering at the hand of other people, he trusts in God's character and he hopes in God's promises. He trusts in God's character and he hopes in God's promises. Look back at verse 14. But you, that's you God, you do see. For you note mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands. To the helpless, to you the helpless commits himself and you have been the helper of the fathers. What does he say in verse 14? He says, God, you see, not only do you see this, because I ask God, where are you? It looks like you're covering your face, but the truth of the matter is, your character is that you see. But you don't just see and say, man, that stinks for you. You see and you note it. You see with the intention of acting. So friend, in the midst of your suffering, the truth is that God sees you, that God sees it, And God intends to act. He is not looking on saying, that's your problem. He is looking on saying, I intend to act. I am not leaving you in this. I am not far away. I see this. And I'm noting it that I might take it into my hand. And then he refers in the second half of verse 14 to you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. What does he refer to? God, this is who you have been in the past. So friend, in the middle of your suffering, when you're asking big questions of God, does God care? What you ought to do is refer to moments in the past in your life where God has shown up and cared for you and hold on to them. God cared then. Why would he not care now? The prophet Malachi says this of God, I, or this is actually God speaking, I, the Lord, do not change. So if God cared for you then, he will care for you now. He will care for you now because he sees. Verse 15, it says this, break the arm of the wicked and evildoer, call his wickedness to account till you find none. This is the psalmist saying to God, God, would you, would you break the arm of the evildoer? Not like physically break his arm over your heavenly knee. But stop his power because you're more powerful than he is. Call his wickedness to account. The the wicked guy says, God's not going to call me into account. And so the psalmist says, God, call him into account and he will do it. The Lord is king, verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. God's character is that he is ruling and reigning over all things, over all things, including your life including the stuff that you face, including the suffering that you go through, including the pain that you deal with. God sits enthroned over all of that. He's the king. And you hold on to that truth. Verse 17, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. What does the psalmist do? 
He reminds himself, you hear me, you hear me. I'm, I'm betting on your character here, God, you hear me. And then what does he do? He claims promises. You will strengthen their heart. You will comfort us. You will give us to what we need. You will incline your ear. You hear us and you will keep hearing us, God. He's holding on to the character of God and he's hoping in the promises of God. Because that's what it takes to get through suffering. Verse 18, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so the man who is on the earth may strike terror no more. The way for you to fight, to answer the question of does God care in the middle of you suffering is hold on to the character of God and hope in the promises of God. But here's maybe where the pushback is. For, the, for, for you who are in suffering and it hurts right now, what you think is if God really cared, he would take away all my suffering. I mean, if God, if God actually cared, he would just, just take it away. These are the thoughts that you have. These are the things that you say to God as you shake your fist. God, if you actually cared, you would make it go away right now. Here's the truth. God is the one making it go away. He's just not doing it on your timeline. And that's not easy to swallow. I get that. And in the midst of your suffering, that's really hard to preach to yourself. God is the one that is making this go away. I can't imagine 18-year-old Cade sitting on his bed saying, God is the one making this go away. So let me just encourage you and challenge you to be ahead of me where I was at 18. In the middle of your suffering, you ought to resolve, God is the one making this go away. How is he doing that? By the death and the resurrection of his son. The death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus was about far more than just saving you so you could go to heaven one day. You see, we get, we get, we get stuck on, oh, Jesus died for me and rose from the dead for me. It's all for my benefit. But the truth of it is, is that God is working a story and, and, and working things out that are far bigger than us. Yes, do we reap benefit from trusting in Jesus? You bet. You get life eternal with God. You ought to trust Jesus. There is no other way to God. But what God is beginning with the death and resurrection of Jesus is the renewal of all things. That's what he says in Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 verse 3 through 5 says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins for this reason, to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That the intention of the death and the resurrection of Jesus was to deliver us from the evil that we face. God is the one fixing this. He's just not doing it on your timeline. This is not doing it on the timeline. Revelation 21, 5 through 8 gives us a picture of this. 
And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give the spring of the water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Believer, look at me, follower of Jesus, look at me. That's your promise. That will be a reality that you live in. And so the suffering that you face will be no more one day. Let's keep going to verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And God, look at me, and God will be just. So if you wonder, is there justice? Is there justice for who has wronged me? Yes, God will handle the justice. God will handle the justice. He's way better at it than you are. You just hold on to his character and you, you hold on to his promises. There's no other way to navigate this. There is no other way. And, and, and if I could just ask you a question. You who are in suffering or you who have faced suffering and maybe turned your back on God. If you shake your fist at God, you turn your back on God in the middle of your suffering. What you're doing is shaking your fist and turning your back on the one who is fixing it. You're bailing on the one that's pulling it back together. So your parents' divorce, the abuse that you have faced, the bullying that you face, and on and on the list might go. All of that is legitimate wrong. And God is the one fixing it. Where else are you going to go? If you turn your back on God, you know what you're going to you know what you're going to find? That you're apart from God still with your problem. Bailing on God does not fix your suffering. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it hopeless, though. God's character and God's promises provide you the help and hope that you need. Where are you going to go? God is the help. God is the hope that you need. 